by a show of hands. Tell me if you were here last week. Let me see. See the faithful few. <laughs> now, by a show of hands, how many of you guys surprised to see Angel still here? <laughs> no, he did a great job last week. I'm thankful for a wonderful team that we have. Listen, it's going to be a great year, an amazing year. It has to be. That's my conviction. It has to be. If we're still here, God's not done with us yet. If we're still here, then this year is going to be an amazing year because God has work to do with his people. It's going to be a great year. It has to be. What a better way to start than on our knees in humility before the God of it all. The God of heaven and earth, everything in between. Amen. Let me go through the schedule of the week of prayer just to give you an opportunity to go ahead and make plans on being here. Tonight we start 7 o'clock nightly. The week of prayer format will be like this. We'll have worship for 15 to 20 minutes or so, and then we'll have a guided time of prayer over the topic that is here before you. This will also be posted right after service today on social media, so you can also follow us there and find out what night is what as far as the theme goes. Tonight, prayer for the promise. I'll be talking about that in our sermon today. Monday, prayer for the lost. We'll be praying for missions and our missionaries and also our campuses that are launching in just a few weeks from now. Tuesday, prayer for the next generation. I'm excited about Tuesday night because the bridge is back. I guess nobody wants the bridge to be back. None of the young adults are, are still asleep over here. The bridge is back. Oh, come on. So the bridge is back, and then John Moon will be leading us in worship in here at 7 p.m., and we'll be praying for the next generation. After that time of worship, the bridge, our young adult ministry, will head over to the chapel, which is brand new, still has that brand new building smell, and has occupancy to God be the glory. We can use it. Amen. We got it. Finally. They'll be going over there and having their own uh, time on, and activities. We'll be staying here as we continue to pray for the next generation, young adults, teenagers and children here at Greater Life and Beyond. Wednesday is prayer for the family. It's family night. And uh, we're going to start again with that format. We'll have our family dinner together. And then at seven o'clock, kids, youth, and adults will be in here together for that first part of worship. Then those ages, youth and kids will release to their classes as we stay and pray for the family and have that emphasis on that night. Thursday night will be prayer for the chapel. The reason why we're having prayer for the chapel is because in just three short weeks, uh, we'll be launching, uh, relaunching, we'll be launching our Espanol service, our Nepali service at 11 a.m. in the chapel. And so we will be hosting our prayer service that night over in the chapel, which is the building behind us, if you don't know which one that is. There's only two. This one's called the church. That one's called the chapel, right? 
As of right now, I guess is what, what we're doing. Uh, on Friday, prayer for our pastors and uh, Pastor Victor and Linda and their team will be leading that. And so we invite you, we'll be back in here. We'll have time of worship and pray for the pastors and the leadership at Greater Life. We need your prayers to continue to do what God has called us to do. Saturday, we will not have anything on site. It will be you praying in your neighborhood. So the encouragement is simply this. Walk the sidewalk in your neighborhood, in your community, in your uh, living area, apartment, whatever it may be. Go and walk it and pray for your neighbor. Instead of complaining about your neighbor this time, go and pray for your neighbor. Amen. That's going to be the week of prayer. It's going to be powerful. I encourage you to make plans to be here as much as possible at 7 p.m. nightly. Let me pray before we get into our sermon today. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for what you've given me to share. I pray right now that our hearts would be open, that minds would be sharp and leaning in to hear the word of God. There is no truth outside of you. Help us, God. Experience your goodness today in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you are new, my name is Andrew. I'm excited to have you here today. And we're excited about what God has already done here at Greater Life Church, but even more excited about what's coming this year. Before we get to the theme for the whole year, I'd like to set the stage it seems to me that I actually saw a social media post and, and uh, it said something like this, this is my year, and then it had 2019 next to it, and then it had crossed out, and then 2020, this is my year, and it had crossed out, 2021, this is my year, crossed, and so on, until 2023, this is my year. And so we have a tendency to, to wake up in the new year and say, this is my year. This is when it's going to happen. It's, it, it's got to happen. This, you know, I've had so many long, hard experiences. It's been such a challenge. Life is just so bad sometimes. This is my year. Well, there's a wilderness concept in Scripture that we find the narrative in the book of Exodus, where the children of Israel are taken from Egypt, which is where they lived, and they were under bondage there. And it was their wilderness, it was, it was their home for 400 plus years. And God set them free through a series of miraculous plagues that he sent upon the Egyptian people for them to be set free so they could go towards what God had called them to. So after 400 years, they find themselves walking out of Egypt. God had delivered them. And yet, they were passing through a wilderness on the way to the promised land. And it's in the wilderness that we see some characteristics develop for the children of Israel. And even for us today, I'd like for us to be honest with ourselves. Are we in a wilderness place? You see, because the wilderness place for them was, also, was uncomfortable and it wasn't any fun, but it was also a place of teaching. 
There were lessons that they needed to learn in the wilderness. Sometimes we just experience the pain and not the benefit of the lesson. So in the wilderness, let's consider some things that are glaringly obvious that happened for those Israelite people as they walked through. First of all, lack of faith. God had literally set them free from Egyptian bondage and it didn't take any time at all that they began to doubt God's power. As they saw the Egyptian army coming after them, they turned to Moses, who was their leader, and said, look, we're all going to die. It's all going to end for us. What is going on? Wait a second. The God that set you free is also the God that can deliver you. But the lack of faith is evident. Now, we know that in the narrative, God does deliver them and destroys the Egyptian army in the process. And I love the scripture that says, the enemy you see today, you will never see again. Because when God sets you free, he sets you free completely. There's a lack of faith in the wilderness. There's also regret in the wilderness. Well, things were good back then, even though things were bad. How many of you guys understand that, that sometimes your memory doesn't serve you correctly when you look back? <laughs> Like, man, it was, it was really good back at my old job. Well, you know you left that old job because it was not really good. Regret. The children of Israel begin to say, we want to go back to Egypt where we had plenty to eat. Forget the part that we were under slavery and bondage. There's regret in the wilderness. There's also disobedience in the wilderness. When you're in a wilderness place, you begin to find yourself maybe making decisions that go against God's will for your life and his word. And you begin to say to yourself, I can figure it out on my own. I know what's best. And that's exactly what they did when God provided food for them in something called manna. He gave them clear instructions. Do not collect more than you need because there'll be more tomorrow and more tomorrow and more tomorrow. And we read in the text that they did just that, collected more than they needed, and what happened? It became moldy and even poisonous to eat. Disobedience saying, I know better. The fourth thing you find in the wilderness is fear. Interestingly enough, we've already seen the lack of faith that could be construed as fear. But fear in the narrative of the wilderness was by the people, but also in the leadership. Even the leadership that was there had their doubts and their fears. In the wilderness, you find temporary solutions. Manna, quail, water from a rock were meant for a season to take care of God's people. Temporary solutions. We know this because the Bible tells us that when they had crossed over into the promised land, there, have, there was no more manna provided. That day, it stopped. So I think it's a good reminder for us that if we find ourselves in a wilderness place, maybe God is providing temporary solutions for us because this isn't our destination. This is a temporary home. 
And that's why it's so important for us not to build such a kingdom and such a, such a, such a wealth and such a, a legacy here because here will waste away. It will go away. We are to live for eternity, not for the temporary. Amen? Temporary solutions. In the wilderness, there's backbiting. If you don't know what backbiting is, it's throwing shade. Gossip, slander. We find in the wilderness, Miriam, Moses' sister, and Aaron, Moses' brother, talking badly about Moses. Well, I, don't, I know this isn't shocking to anybody, but God knows and hears everything. <laughs> well, Miriam and Aaron made a mistake because they talked bad about the leader that God had appointed. Miriam catches leprosy. And Moses, her own brother, prays for her healing. Because in the wilderness, sometimes we get frustrated and we turn to saying things about people we shouldn't be saying things about. I like to say it this way. Gossip is when you talk to someone who can't change it. But when you talk to someone who can, that's a healthy thing. So if you're talking to somebody that can't change anything about it, that's gossip. It's a good indicator. Finally, in the wilderness, there's distractions. The golden calf, the idol worship. Moses is up in the mountain. There's literally the Shekinah glory of God upon the mountain. Thunder crackling, clouds resting. And they looked away down around themselves long enough to miss the glory of God and find an idol that they'd rather worship. You see, friends, when you get distracted from who God is, the devil will put something else in your line of sight that will call you to fall. Distractions in the wilderness. Wilderness is not a fun place. It's a hard place. It's a challenging place. Some of you, your wilderness may, be, may go back even further than 2020, 2019, 2000-something. 20, Maybe your wilderness is even further back than that, but God, I've got news for you. God has laid upon my heart the theme for this year for Greater Life Church. And the theme for this year for Greater Life Church is going to be something that all of us can stand upon because I believe that we serve a God who is powerful enough to do what he said. This is our theme. you have no need, if you have no issue, then these few words mean nothing to you. But if you walked in here with something heavy on your heart, then this statement, 
you need to live on this year. This is the year of the promise. Spoken so loudly into my heart. Resonated with me. Today we begin our sermon series, but most importantly, we, bring, we begin 2023 understanding that God keeps his promises. So when you read this statement, when you hear the words from my mouth, something within you should leap. That loved one that has been so lost, that addiction that you cannot shake, that sense of depression that you constantly have every time you think you're doing good, Every time you think you've made a step forward, you get knocked three or four steps back. Every time the devil tells you another lie, this statement, the year of the promise, is the thing I want you to remember. I don't want you to just say, this is my year. This is his year. On your behalf, friend, and he will do what he's promised. To unpack this, let's look at Genesis chapter 12. Then the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families on earth will be blessed through you. In Genesis 18, the scripture says, I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. The promises of God are abundant and are many. And Abraham went to his grave not seeing any of it. The nation, the bless those who bless you, the curse those who curse you, all of these things. Because God's promise to Abraham were macro in nature. We can talk about the promises of God as those who have been grafted in to the family of God. Children, heirs. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you and as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises, how many of God's promises 
all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. With a resounding yes, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. He has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment, installment that guarantees everything that he has promised us. We're going to go through a few promises today. But for the, mo the majority of this year, we're going to unpack promise after promise after promise because this is the year of the promise. And my conviction is that the Bible is true when it says that everything that God has promised us is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So get ready. The thing you've been waiting on, get ready to see it happen. The thing you've been praying for, get ready for that breakthrough. The thing you've been trying to get freedom from, get ready to walk in freedom. The thing that you've been struggling with again and again and again and again, this is the year of the promise in Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. What are the promises that we can look for in an overarching sense? Number one, the promise of protection. Before I get into the sermon, I'd like to draw your attention to something. Ushers, I need you ready. On your way in, in your bulletin, you should have gotten one of these. If you don't have one of these, raise your hand and they will bring them to you quickly. Everybody needs one of these. On one side, it says, 2023, my church is praying for. On the other side, it says, 2023, I'm praying for. The reason why I want you to have these is because at some point throughout the sermon, I believe that the Holy Spirit's gonna drop in your heart what the promise that God has for you this year is. You may already know it. I've got a couple over here. I've got a couple over here, guys, to my left. I've got some over here. So some of you guys don't like to grab stuff on the way in. Well, let this be a lesson to you. <laughs> now my wife has it. Well, maybe God wants to promise you something as well. Anyway. As you look at this, I want you to write the promise on the back as the Lord reveals it to you. What you're gonna do in a few moments is you're gonna tear that card in half, take one home with you to stand upon and to pray for, and drop one up here as the 9 a.m. service is already done, and we're gonna pray for these throughout the week. So just know that in your head. You don't need to be super specific on it, but if you have a lost loved one, if you have a financial need, if you got a job concern, you can put some things on there and allow the Lord to work on your behalf. I'll talk more about that in just a few moments. Number one, promise of protection. Promise of protection. Genesis 15, one says, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Do not be afraid, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Notice there's a couple of things, protect and reward. And the first statement is, do not be afraid. You remember, if you could think way back to last year, the first words that God said after those years of silence was, do not be afraid. 
Do not be afraid, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. The promise of protection that God gives us. In 2020, I had an experience with COVID-19 that nearly took my life. 45 days later, I found myself fully recovered. Now, here's the thing. During that journey, the protection that I expected from God looked differently than I thought it should. But I'm not God. So I thought it should look like Psalm 91. I prayed it. I preached it. We had a prayer night over it. Psalm 91 says, where he will rescue you from every trap, protect you from deadly disease. Seems pretty straightforward, right? He will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Verse 10, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home. Okay. Prayed it, believed it. I'm not going to get sick. My family's not going to get sick. My home is going to be protected. My church is going to be protected. My ministry is going to be protected. God's got this. Psalm 91 is clear. And then I got it. Gave it to the staff. Gave it to my family. And then ended up in the hospital with 50% oxygen saturation. I had my moments, my fist-shaking moments at God. God, you said you would protect me. In Psalm 94, and God in his wisdom and his mercy says, keep reading. (laughs) So in Psalm 94, I read, unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. grave. I cried out, I am slipping. But your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind. Your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Can I tell you, there was windows, there was moments where this preacher laid in that bed and thought, what if nothing's on the other side? You too? (laughs) When doubts filled my mind. One of the songs that was on repeat in my hospital room was Man of Your Word. The first song we sang. If you said it, I believe it. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's the best part of the song. I can't not say that part. But here's the thing, God helped me navigate that with his goodness and his grace. 
And in verse 10 of chapter 91, it says, no evil will conquer you. Well, it didn't. It didn't. I'm here. No plague will come near your home. You see, to me, the more dangerous plague was not the plague of COVID-19. It was the plague of stupidity that overtook the world and that found people saying, I'm going to abandon my family. I'm going to abandon worship. I'm going to abandon everything and trust a government. Pastor, what are you saying? You're getting political? Come on, let's put that behind us now and understand that that shut down church after church after church. And there are thousands upon thousands of people that stopped going to worship and never came back. That was the plague. See, I found something through my experience that even though it almost killed me, it's worth it to me to be in the house of God. Promise of protection. God's promise is to protect you. The hard part is it might not look how you think it should look. Number two, the promise of provision. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 10 says, you will have such surplus of, co- of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. I can't begin to tell you all of the things that God has done since Greater Life Church has been around. But I could tell you a few. Number one, the property that we're on right now was a property that many years ago, before Greater Life Church was even a thing, I would drive by and think to myself, this would be an awesome piece of land to have a church on. This would be amazing. We moved from meeting in an elementary school to a high school to a storefront, and then this thing, the available sign went away, and now it's, for, it's gone. It's off the market. I thought to myself, oh, well, guess that's not it. Well, it was off the market for two years because a developer had snatched it up, trying to develop stuff. And the town of Mint Hill said, no. And guess what happened? The almost $1 million property went back on the market. And the owners of the property now knew that no developer would ever want it because the town of Mint Hill would say, no. But can I, th- can I tell you, I'm thankful that I'm in Mint Hill because Mint Hill is Famous for saying yes to churches. Even though we're in Mecklenburg County, amen? Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Hush. All right. I should have said that in the 9 a.m. It wasn't live stream. Anyway. (laughs) But here's the thing. It went back on the market. And wouldn't you know it? We're actually in a position that we need to buy some land to build the church. We wasn't in the position to do that before. We need to buy some land. Hey, here's some land. Let's go look at it and see. The almost million dollar property we were now able to get for $400,000. That's God. That's one thing. Let me tell you some more. 
We're meeting in a church building, and half of the hallway is flooded. We're like, oh my goodness, half the hallway's flooded. We go in there, and all the stuff is, is completely ruined, which, by the way, it was already ruined stuff. But now it's even more ruined than it was ruined before. So we have a conversation with the insurance company. We say, hey, we got all this stuff and it's got flooded and now there's damage and what do we do? And the insurance company says, well, go ahead and take a list and make an inventory of what's in there and we will replace it. Well, you don't understand insurance company. It's ruined stuff. We hadn't really been using it. It's kind of storage. So what do we do? Well, make a list anyway. We'll replace it with something comparable from today. Okay. Write us a check for the flood damages so we can equip our kids' ministry and beyond. Move forward. Had a stolen microphone at the church. I walked into my office. My microphone was stolen, and there was a note on my desk that says, you've taken my voice, now I'm taking yours. No joke. It happened. I read the note. Hey, I get to get a new microphone. I'd like that one anyway. Amen? Last, uh, just a couple of months ago, just a couple of months ago, we're extending and stretching by faith because we're opening two new campuses next month. One is a complete remodel of an existing space and it costs a lot of money, a lot more than we thought we were gonna have to pay. We're writing checks and we're paying bills and we've got this building back here and things are moving and, 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 and looking at the account, we're going, oh, what's going on? But by faith, we continue to move forward. And wouldn't you know it, we're also giving to missions like we've never done before. We're doing all these things and to God be the glory, the very week that we had to make a decision, do we stop everything or do we keep moving forward? Somebody hands me a check. And then the very next week, somebody else hands me another check. And wouldn't you know, the amount of the checks was exactly what we needed to keep doing the projects that we were doing. That's God's goodness, amen? The promise of provision is that God will provide for his work and his people every step of the way. Final illustration, and then I'll move on, because this one's really unique. We just finished the building behind us. We're starting to, to stock it with sound equipment and chairs and all kinds of things. And we, we, you know, we felt like we'd just do that as we go. Well, here we are, and we didn't do it as we went, not because we didn't want to, but hey, we're launching two new campuses, so we put our resources there. So I get a phone call a few days ago, a couple weeks ago, actually. As we're getting ready to make a significant purchase for some of the campuses and the outreaches that we're doing, I get this phone call from a pastor that I hadn't heard from in three, maybe four years. He calls and says, hey, listen, I've moved into another area. We're selling the church property. Do you want our stuff? Yes. What time do you want us to be there? We go down there and look at it, and this is the kicker. This is how cool God is. You know, he does things just to, just to give you a nod that says he knows exactly where you are. We're over here in the chapel area, and Kevin and I, who's our, our tech guy back there, the one that messes up on slides, anyway... <laughs> No, actually he doesn't, he's, but he's, can we give it up for Kevin? He's doing a great job. All right, that's good. That's good, that's good, that's good. Not enough, not, too much, too much, too much. Let's try that again. Two claps, ready, one, two, right? All right, God bless you, Kevin. Okay. 
Okay. All right, so anyway, we're looking at this thing. It's like, okay, what do you have to buy for the sound? What do we have to get? And he says, well, we need this type of thing. And he says the model and the type and all that kind of thing. And, and I don't really pay attention to it because I have no idea what he's talking about sometimes. And so he says what he needs. Like, okay, well, let's move forward to that. And then we go and see this church that's given us their stuff. And I'm walking around looking, and this is amazing. Donna goes with us because she has to buy certain things for the coffee area in the chapel. And we go in there, and everybody's saying, yeah, we could use this here and use this there, and chairs and sound and all this kind of stuff. And then Kevin walks out holding this thing that is exactly the thing that we're going to have to order for over there. That's how, this has been over there for like two or three years just sitting there. That's God providing because he promised to provide. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, the promise of peace. What are you wrestling with today? What are you wrestling with? Leviticus 26 says, I will give you peace in the land and you will be able to sleep with no course for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals. Keep your enemies out of the land. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred will chase 10,000. All of your enemies will fall beneath your sword. Whenever you read of the things in the scriptures that talk about warfare, conquest, understand that in this day and age, our battle is not against flesh and blood. But the Lord is promising us to give us peace from our enemies, which are spiritual in nature. In 1 Kings chapter 5, we read, Solomon sent a message back to Hiram. You know that my father David was not able to build the temple to honor the name of the Lord his God because of the many wars waged against him surrounding in this, by the surrounding nations. He could not build until the Lord gave him victory over all his enemies. But now, say but now, the Lord my God has given me peace on every side. I have no enemies. Can you imagine that the promise of peace that God gave Solomon that he kept is the promise of peace that he gives you today. This is the year of the promise. The peace that God gave King Solomon was not so that King Solomon could expand his own kingdom, but so that he could build the temple of God. The peace that he had was so that God could be worshiped among his people. My prayer for you today is that God would give you peace so you can worship more effectively, serve more effectively, be more leaning in to the work of the kingdom of God, not consumed with your own Kingdom building. Now back to the promise cards. I'm going to have the worship team begin to come. You may already have something that you're written, you've written down. While they're playing, we're going to ask you to come and install half of that card, the half you're going to leave here so we can pray over it during the week up here at the altar. The other card I want you to keep, take home. 
And then I want you to keep it as a keepsake to say that this is the year of the promise. It's going to be on your fridge. It's going to be in your Bible. It's going to be next to your bedside table, wherever it might be. Understand that your faith, your faith will be built when you see God keep that promise. And I want you to hang on to that thing. And I'll even take it a step further. When God keeps his promise, when God answers that prayer, when God meets that need, feel free to come up and bring that thing to me. Because I would be thrilled to celebrate with you. Amen? Maybe you have doubts. Recently, I met with someone who had doubts about, about the Lord, about doctrine. There's a deconstructionist movement happening right now. That people that grew up in the church are beginning to unpack things. And throw things away. There's only two eventualities to that. Number one, you get to the end of it and your faith is stronger. Number two, you get to the end of it and you're now an atheist or an agnostic and you want nothing to do with God. I would encourage you, if you have doubts, pray. If you have doubts, go back to the source. Find the answers in the scriptures. If you have doubts, write them down and be honest. God can take it. Be honest. Maybe you have sickness in your body today and you want to see God heal you. Yeah, you guys can go ahead and start playing. Maybe you have sickness in your body today and you want to see God heal you. Jim Short, who we, many of us know and love, had surgery this past week. In surgery, they found and had to remove 500 tumors out of his abdomen. Today, he's up walking around in the hospital getting ready to go home Thursday. Amen? We're gonna believe God to finish that miracle that he's already started. Listen, with healing, I believe that healing happens in one of three ways. Miraculously, medically, or completely. For the believer, worst case scenario is being with Jesus in heaven, amen? For the preacher that says medically is not something that the believer should take part of, I say, what about Luke, who is a physician? We need to be careful trying to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. I believe that God can heal medically. Maybe you have confusion about what you're supposed to do, what's next in your life, which way are you to turn? What's the decision you're supposed to make? Do I do this? Do I go, do I do that? Do I, if I take this path, then, then this is the end result. If I take that path, then it, that's the end result. Listen, I'm gonna tell you, sometimes you don't, you don't need to even worry about the end result. You just need to take that foot and go, that's the next step. I'm confident in that. Maybe you have confusion and you need answers and clarity. Maybe you have no confidence. Maybe you find yourself in a position that you don't think God can use you, that God has forgotten about you. You've done things. You've done things that cannot be forgiven. I'm gonna tell you something. The cross and the blood of Jesus is powerful enough. Maybe you have guilt, remorse, heartache, bondage, strife, crippling debt. No matter what you have going on, God is here to keep his promise. In the next few moments, when we're singing, I want you to come and deposit that promise up here at the platform. And I also want you to grab one of these communion cups. 
We're going to end with the fourth and final promise of today's message. And it's going to be a good one. God bless you. Go ahead and stand and move now as we sing. church we believe in open communion what that means is you don't have to be a member here however the scriptures are pretty clear actually very clear that remembering the Lord's table communion that we're about to receive is something that's for the believer Paul says that if you're not a believer and if there's something within your spirit and your heart then to take this is to take judgment upon yourself. And so uh, I want to do two things. First of all, I want us to take a moment and reflect. Because the fourth and final point, you can sit down. The fourth and final point is the promise of pardon. Pardon. This promise we see that goes from Adam to Abraham In Genesis chapter 3, it says, The Lord God said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take the fruit of the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. 
So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and sent Adam out to cultivate the ground which he had made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Many times we think that God was harsh in this judgment. Maybe we've considered that they just did one thing wrong. Well, when, no, when there's only one thing wrong to do, <laughs> they did it. But God was not harsh because God said, you'll die the moment you do that. They didn't die. They were banished from the garden to live another day. But God was not harsh because he kept them from living for all eternity in their sin because if they would have eaten of the other tree, then the scripture says they would have lived forever. Well, it didn't take long for humanity to become so evil that the flood was sent because everything they thought and did was evil. Can you imagine a God who said, well, you messed up, I'm abandoning you to your own stuff. But that's not what God did because there's a promise of pardon. And in Genesis chapter 15, when the sun had set, the Bible says, and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land. Now this comes from a passage of scripture where God is having a relationship, a moment, the presence of God literally coming near to where Abram was. Covenant, relationship, we have nothing to offer him. No, nothing. He don't need us, but I'm thankful he wants us. See, what happened with the promise of pardon is that it had moved from being not allowed to pass, Adam, stay out, to the Lord himself passing through. It had moved from keep your distance to come near. It had moved from being hidden as Adam hid away in his sin to God seeking out Abram to create relationship with his people from being hidden, hidden to becoming found. You see, Adam sinned and hid from the Lord. Abraham was pursued and found by God who desired to have a relationship with us. Second Corinthians remind us that it says for Jesus for Jesus Christ the son of God does not waver between yes and no he is the one whom we preached as God's ultimate yes he always does what he says for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes and through Christ our amen by the holy spirit the scripture says he's guaranteed everything that he has promised us this little cup are symbols. They represent huh, the most powerful, pivotal moment throughout human history. 
The Bible tells us that Jesus died once for all. So when he died on the cross, that blood was applied all the way back to Adam. Picture that. All the way back to Adam and even to me and you today. And no matter what we've done, we can find forgiveness. With every head bowed and every eye closed, consider for a moment your own heart and ask the Lord to forgive you. Thank you, Lord. And now if you'll take that cup and take the wafer. Take the wafer first. Hold it in your hand. Scripture says as Jesus and his disciples were sitting at that last supper, Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for you. And he broke the bread and passed it. And we know in Isaiah 53, it talks about what that is, that he was bruised, beaten, that his stripes give us healing today. That passage is called the suffering servant because that's exactly what he did. He suffered and served for me and you to be able to remember his brokenness. You know, everybody in here today, something within our hearts when we see injustice and pain against someone who doesn't deserve it, we get angry. Picture for a moment the one who didn't deserve any of it gave himself up for you. For you. For me. He was spit upon. He was mocked. He was cursed. He was killed. And take that wafer. And if you've got something that you need healing and wholeness from in this moment, join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, as we come to you and remember your broken body, we know that we can find wholeness and healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the wafer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing that first verse before we take the cup. Hallelujah. In the Savior's Keep going. Sing. 
Come on, stand in the house of the Lord right now. Come on, let's worship. Come on, think about that sin that He has forgiven for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He washed it. Hallelujah. Jesus made it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's take that last element. As you're holding the cup, then we're going to go into a, a, just another brief moment of worship to thank him for what he's done. I, I, I know that 100% of our problems are sin problems. I'm not saying that you're in here and you got some deep, dark corner of your life, but the fact of the matter is that our world is broken because of sin. And other people get hurt because of sin. You could be living your life and doing your best, but somebody somewhere did something that has an effect on you. And that's reality. But this blood has the supernatural ability to wash the sins away for all humanity for all time. The only thing that keeps that from happening is us seeking the forgiveness and the gift of salvation. We've got to accept that forgiveness. Prepare yourself to take the cup. So Lord, right now, if there's any in here that feel that they don't deserve it, help us all to know that none of us deserve it. <laughs> none of us. If there's any in here today that feel they're too far gone, they gotta figure things out, they gotta figure out a better way on their own, Lord, I pray you just help them to see that their faith in you is what's needed. That you're here by the power of your spirit. All that you've promised us is to be kept. And so, Lord, forgive, wash, and let us receive that forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, take the cup and worship him. And when before the throne I stand and am Jesus died my soul to
Come on, can you worship like you're forgiven today? Come on, raise your voice in here. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your goodness. Thank you that early in this year we stand before you with hope. I pray, God, that the words, the year of the promise would resonate with us, that there would be something within us that isn't just motivated but so hopeful that, it, that it's contagious. I pray that this week the house may be full. That as we come together and we pray together, that God, even anyone that normally would not come to an activity like that, I pray you'd encourage them. Help us to get together to put you first and do great and mighty things in each and every one of our lives. Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We trust you with what's next. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you. We'll see you back at 7.